Guys, it's about finding out who you are in the space in between the notes that they're offering you. Welcome back to Dazed and Confused 33 and a Third. I'm Jarf, and I'm so excited to jump into our first bonus track covering the spiritual sequel to Dazed and Confused, Everybody Wants Some. And our guest is James Anderson from Timeline Scavengers and Frankenstein's Jukebox. Welcome, James. Hey, Hey, how's it going? It's going really good. Thank you so much for joining and thank you for suggesting that we talk about this movie in the first place. So I'm yeah. really excited. And I'm very I'm, excited to talk about this. <laughs> yes. So we, when we were covering an earlier track in Dazed, we were kind of talking about the hazing and mm-hmm. it kind of correlated to what goes on in this movie. And that's mm-hmm. how I got the idea that we could do a bonus track, just focusing on this. And I've had a lot of fun revisiting this movie. Yeah. And me I, too. I kind of wondered, was there a scene that resonated with you the most and kind of what draws you to this movie overall? I think that it's, t- it's two things um, that, sort of two different uh, things that draw me to this movie. One is that there's a safety in this that Dazed and Confused is sort of lacking. Um, when the, with the hazing and Dazed and Confused, it, it feels like, I hope they don't hurt these kids. Like, I hope that, you know, they, they're they a little reckless. I hope there's not like a, you know, you could even say like drunk driving incident or whatever. Like, there's a bit of danger, which, you know, gives the movie a, a little spice to it that, that uh, I like, but... This movie I like because it feels like they're all on the same level, both in terms of like age is, you know, the four years of high school and the four years of college are so, um, so different for sets, sets of four years. Um, so there's that. And then uh, tying into the scene that, that really uh, stuck with me, I think it's not a scene, but it's sort of a, a section of the movie where it starts with the ping pong scene where um where uh i'm now mac is playing um oh my god the main guy it's not josh hold on it's jake jake yeah yeah. um where jake and and mac who is this competitive who is should be the villain of the piece and isn't uh, which i love um are playing ping pong and, and it's getting really really heated up through the bloody knuckle scene um, with Brun and Nesbitt um, and having sort of the commentary of the rest of the guys talking about how like all of these things that they're doing, all of the like, you know, things that we've seen so far in the movie, everything, you know, has is basically a, a form of training or team building um, that's like, we're competitive all the time so that we're super competitive when we're actually playing baseball. And I think that's a really interesting, uh, way to look at, um, this kind of the, the events in this movie, they're sort of building a team. There's a, there's a scene where, where Roper gets really pissed off at Jay Niles for basically getting them kicked out of a bar. And his, his point is we're a team. 
and you, you you aren't thinking about your team. And it's really interesting to think that like all of these shenanigans they're getting into are all related to you know whether it's intentionally or not being becoming closer as a team. And I, I think that's that's something that is like catnip to me. Nice. Yes. Actually, I have a quote from Glenn Powell to back that up, and then My that ties boy. right into. <laughs> Sorry, what did you say? Glenn, uh, I'm in a I'm in a Glenn Powell area of my life right now. So I liked him when I watched this the first time, but I've since seen Top Gun Maverick, and so now I'm like, there's my guy, Glenn Powell. So I'm just I'm in a everything he he does. I'm interested in. So I'm happy to hear a quote from him. Absolutely. Well, I've got a quote from your guy, and <laughs> he says that competitiveness. That is the essence of a sports team. I think the movie really encapsulates that the essence of a sports team is being able to compete with stupid little things. Yes. You take it so seriously because if you're good at competing in the stupid things, you'll be great at competing at the great things, right? Right. Right. So I think that it made sense for him to to kind of state it that way. Yeah. And then... I really liked what you said about the team building. Yeah. Because my favorite scene was the batting practice with McReynolds. So that's yeah. Tyler Hecklin's character. Right. And Jay. That's Justin Street. So he so Jay is trying to show off his lightning fast arm. And so that fits in with the idea of being competitive. But it isn't fitting in with the whole we're a team dynamic. Exactly. Exactly. Because batting yeah. practice, you're so supposed to sort of, you know, kind of throw some easy pitches in there so the batters can kind of get into their swing and, and all right. of that. And so it, it's it, it's just a different dynamic. Right. And so so he he's kind of going up there and showing off and he, calling himself raw dog and he's just on a completely different wavelength and so hecklin fine is like okay you know if that's the way we're gonna play it and then he knocks one out of the park yeah and i like that that he does that and then he also directly tells jay what he's doing wrong and right. how he's working against the team. He says, Absolutely. you know, you're being selfish. He even calls back to the fight that you mentioned and yep. getting kicked out of the bar. Like he, that was him being selfish again, cause it's hurting the team. And, and then that whole conflict is resolved oh. later when, when Jay goes up to him really awkwardly and he's like, uh, uh, good hit, and then yeah. where where McReynolds really shines as Ugh. a leader is, you know, he doesn't need to rub it in any further. He just says Ugh. we're cool. It's and I so love good, it. so good. I love it when someone can say a lot while only saying a little, and and I just thought that that was a really solid moment where he's like, "Yep, you know, I said what I needed to say. Yeah. I think that you heard it." So, you know, for the sake of the team, personally, and you can kind of tell, like, as he walks away, he's still kind of smiling to himself. Yeah. Personally, I might find you ridiculous. Right. But we're going to move past this. So. Right. That was my favorite. It's, it's so, 
he has such a classic villain everything about him McReynolds does and so to see and like he comes on like the first thing that happens is that he's like oh hey what position do you play pitcher and he wipes his hand on his shirt like (laughs) (laughs) immediately you're like oh this is the jerk that we're going to be you know because we're all coming into this it's a college movie it's a sports movie so it's going to be like you know animal house there's going to be like you know characters that we got to get and avoid them getting us or whatever but it's not that it's he's the boss and you're the mailroom clerk and he was once the mailroom clerk and now he's not and he's not you know it's the you know wiping my hand isn't him being well it is him being a jerk but not being like an ass um not being uh like a villain um you know what i mean like it's it's a it's a bit and not uh an actual hateful thing you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. i don't think that it's a hateful thing yeah but i do think that there is a bit of a divide between yes. the pitchers and the rest of the team because absolutely <laughs> because baseball is such a frustrating game and there's so much failure and a lot of that failure comes at the hands of opposing yeah. pitchers. So, right. Yeah. It's, it's, I can't, I can't, I can't, I was watching the goofy how to play baseball short last night and now it's, it's in my head. Yeah, it's exactly. And it's, you know, and Willoughby who is, we got to get into Willoughby, but um, he's, when he's talking to, to Jake about it, he's like, we have to be weird. We have to be different. Because we are different, and we're going to be treated like that. And it's just like, oh, just a house full of gurus that are happy to be gurus, and I really, really appreciate that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, Willoughby's great with this whole, like, embrace your inner freak. Yeah, he's he's um, he's Wooderson, but not creepy. <laughs> yeah. He... he he has that whole thing and and I but I never feel predatory from him at all at all at all. Yeah, and he seems legitimately wise. Yeah. And then it makes a lot of sense when you learn later <laughs> that he's actually 30 and so some <laughs> of that like stoner guru wisdom has been <laughs> earned with age. But yeah. I had a quick note um he, in in a scene uh, in the telepathy scene when they're listening to Pink Floyd and 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 doing all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he they're talking about it starts with him looking uh, with jo- Jake looking. I want him to call him Josh with Jake looking at all of uh, his uh, Twilight Zone videos, mm-hmm. and then he brings up the Eye of the Beholder episode, and and Willoughby's like, "Oh, that's a uh, season two, episode five, I believe." So I looked it up because that's like again, like that's cat. That's an easily look upable thing, and it's episode six and not five. And I think, like a lot of times, other movies, I'd be like, oh well, whatever. But Linklater isn't oh well, whatever. He did that's you know that would have been fact checked. And I think it's really interesting to have him be. It doesn't matter, but he's wrong, but he's confident. So everyone's like, eh, okay, right, right, so, <laughs> sounds good. Like it, yeah. Oh, what a complex character. Yeah, yeah. And I think that you're right about the way Linklater scrutinizes those details mm-hmm. because I remember 
watching the director's commentary mm-hmm. on Dazed. And yeah. at one of the scenes in the Emporium, he got annoyed because one of the extras wasn't playing foosball earnestly enough. And he's like, no, you know, when we would go to that pool hall, you would you would play and you would get yeah. good. You don't just yeah. spin around the paddles. Right, know? right. Right. It, I watched it's so, you know, I never, I never do this, but because I was so interested in this world and you get the impression that these guys were just buddies on and off screen. Um, I wanted to see more. So I looked at the, the special features on the, everybody wants some like DVD or whatever. And they talked about like, they'd be like, Hey, well, you know, would we make this reference? And he'd be like, "Ah, eh, that was like that fall or like that that winter." So it'd be a couple months before you would now. So you probably wouldn't maybe do maybe reference this song instead, which is sort of the same thing, but a little you know four months earlier and therefore valid mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And like, don't you know? You'd give a high five and you wouldn't give hugs, and you'd give high fives like this and all this stuff that they were like, he's just an encyclopedia of this stuff, and it's just you know yeah if every director was like that i think that it would be a nightmare but having you know one or two that are really in that space i'm really really uh pleased that they're out there doing that yeah like an encyclopedia in fact they right. called them rickopedia that's very good <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and just I... a fun fact about the process so it really pleased me that even at this stage in his career, Linklater still does the same thing that he did way back in 93 when he was making Dazed, which is sending an email to the cast, inviting them to collaborate in the process Uh. and telling them if they don't like the direction with their character, then to change it and to work with them and to bring things. And so... I think that that is a big part of what makes both of these movies great because Absolutely. all of the characters feel like just, even though they are somewhat of a stock character and representing an archetype, there's still sure. this texture to them that makes them feel real. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, and then, you know, you have to like, as with, you know, any, you know, Hunger Games or whatever, where it's like, oh, we split them into these four different things. It's, um, they're all everyone. Like, you know, we each have, you know, it's that Breakfast Club thing. Like, we all have a little bit of McReynolds in us. We all have a little bit of whatever. And it's just varying ratios. So them being sort of archetypes works in this kind of thing, just as it did in Animal House. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, let's segue to the music, because I know yes. that's another one of your fortes. Mm. What was your favorite needle drop? So I had one answer, and now I have three. So I'm, I'm going to give you three answers, but they're quick. Uh, the Pink Floyd needle drop in the telepathy scene, possibly because Willoughby like, draws attention to it, so it's a diegetic needle drop. Mm-hmm. Needle drop. Um, but like I, that, that's, um, it's uh, Fearless by Pink Floyd, which I believe is from uh, Metal which is an album that I have listened to a bunch as a younger man, but I haven't listened to it in a long time. So it was sort of cool to have that pop back up into my ears, which was cool. Um, It's so 
classically Pink Floyd, but it's not. It's 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 the kind of Pink Floyd you'd expect in a Linklater movie, which is not Dark Side, not Wish You Were Here. It's something that isn't even a single from an album that you know you you haven't heard of unless you've like looked into Pink Floyd discography, and mm-hmm. I, I really like that. But I don't know. I, I've had uh, okay. Uh, rap, the rapper's delight thing in the beginning uh, is just fantastic. Oh yeah! And then the uh, I, the first time I watched it, I wasn't doing a Marvel podcast yet, or I wasn't as immersed in one or whatever. But this time, I I, I was like, okay, I guess it's uh, time to watch to see if there's a post credits thing. Um, <laughs> and also, uh, you sent me a list of the songs and the song that the credits were going on was the second to last song, and I was like, interesting. Okay. So I guess we'll just wait this one out. And then you get a full-on rap music video, basically, of the characters in this movie doing their, you know, rapping their verses in various different ways and tempos. And I was going to, Jarf, I was going to uh, match each of their performances up up with a a Wu-Tang Clan member. Because Jay Niles was so old, dirty bastard that I... I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> he, like... <laughs> you literally read my mind. <laughs> and then Nesbitt was like Ghostface, because he was like... I was like, what is this? This is... A, where Where is he coming from on this? It's like... I was like, mm, this isn't where my energy should be used, maybe. But like, yeah. it Especially Jay Niles. I was like, this is... Exactly the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, like, both the... I've been really thinking about there's a period of time when rap was, like, a a newer thing to sort of generalize pop culture when, like, there were a lot of, like, you know, women rap singles. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, your, your, your Blondie's Rapture and your... Christmas rapping by the waitresses and stuff. Um, and I just think it's such a wild time to have been around. I'm reading all these like hip hop history books and stuff. And it like, it's so weird that it's like, it was both sort of like, um, you know, to specific neighborhoods, but also sometimes nationwide acclaim and sometimes Debbie Harry was hanging out with Fab, Fab Five Freddy and, quote, you know, referring to him in song, not as a reference mm-hmm. to a rapper she'd heard of, but to her friend who was a pioneer in hip hop. Like, I don't know. It's 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 fun to see these kids knowing this song so well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That was my that was my runner up for favorite needle drop mm-hmm. because because I like the song. Yeah. And and I'm a sucker for any time people are rapping or singing along in the car mm-hmm. in a group yes. just because that was my life. Yeah. And I also like that they're being competitive about it, which just uh-huh. continues the through line of right. whatever they do, whether it's rapping in the car, whether it's jumping into a creek off right. of a rope, ping pong, the bloody knuckles, bloody knuckles nonsense. Yeah. 
everything. Hitting a baseball with an axe. Like. <laughs> right. Hitting <laughs> a baseball with an axe. Yeah, it's always got to be a competition. So that, <laughs> that made it my runner-up. But my number one was Pop Music by M at the theater party. Be- because I like it. I like it when things get weird. Uh-huh. I mean, if I may, I've already expressed my love for Glenn Powell. So if we can take a sec and talk about how Finn is a theater kid and he just doesn't know it. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the whole thing. Because there's this brilliant... I'm speaking directly to the listener because, Jarf, you know this. Listener, there is this brilliant sequence of genre jumping that they do. They start out at the disco and you're like, yes, yeah, 70s got it, disco. Then they go to like a country western dance bar sort of line dancing sort of stuff. Then they go to a punk club and they end up at this theater party. And the person who's been able to jump between all of these the the easiest is our guy Finn. And it's because he's like it's about it's not about being a poser, it's about being it's about adapting. Mm-hmm. And that yeah, it's improv. He's 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 already he's doing improv in his in his life and uh, just it's just it's so and like when he puts on that top hat and he, and you it you almost want to hear like welcome home like it you see that he finds himself in this element that's such a good way into that character because yeah. a lot of times when they portray someone who keeps changing to fit in to different group dynamics they're trying to suggest that that person is insecure but right he is unique in that it's coming from a place of confidence yeah and like you said adaptation so yeah that's kind of cool and he's not like pink because pink i feel like he 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 moved effortlessly between the groups just fine but it was almost through uh comfort Mm -hmm. and Finn is through confidence and 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 a little bit of 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 if I may like ADHD FOMO stuff where he's like, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna not go, right? Because then, <laughs> then I would, I would miss out on having gone and and seeing what what can you know what fun can be got up to. Yeah, and Pink never really changed himself. No, he right. was just like you know a still in high school and right, and so like still really forming his identity yes. and and clinging to that. And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to do what Randall Pink Floyd wants to do as right. Anderson told him. But, but it, yeah, you yeah. know. Oh, that's, that's why I like this movie. And that's, it's so funny because I, I, I live in irony so much. This is, um, this, they don't, they aren't ironic about liking things mm-hmm. in this movie. They like things. And if you don't like it, that's that's fine. Sometimes you're wrong, but the, the, pink, you know, pink in, in Days and Confused is like I like football, I guess, quote unquote. Like you know, is, is that really what I want to do with my life? I, you know, I don't know. Whatever. In this movie, they're like baseball, baseball and girls. Like no irony. We're you know, we'll have fun, we'll tease each other, you know, but we're serious about this stuff. Yeah, and and that's and that that. It, like, it feels mature. It feels mature. Well, that's a good segue to my next question, <laughs> which was, how do the characters' attitudes towards college life 
compare with the teens' feelings about high school in Dazed and Confused? It comes down to mandatory education. (laughs) Right. (laughs) They don't care about school. But they want to, and in, in everybody wants some, they don't care about class, but they care about being at school because at school they get to play baseball, which they're passionate about. In Days and Confused, they have to be at school and they make the best of it. And, you know, it's, it's an after school is out party because it's, you know, freedom. It's, a, it's, an, it's an emancipation sort of situation. This, there, it's, it's, ooh, 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 ooh. Dazed and Confused takes place after the last day, and this takes place before the first day. True. And it's a beginning of summer and end of summer sort of deal. This is, we're soaking up all of the fun that we can have, but we're going to, um, you know, at the end, Finn is going to class. You know, J- Jake is going to class. Mm-hmm. They're sleeping. Right. But you get I get the impression that like they'll be there and they're not going to show up and make an appearance. You know, I I should put in an appearance. Like they'll be there. He's not late to class. He's there on time. I that that was a big anxiety when I was first watching the movie. I was like, "You have an hour. Get out of the river." Like, what is happening here? Um yeah, cuz they have a running clock throughout the movie of like how many days or like hours left until yeah. class. Yeah. I was sure we were having a, a Ferris Bueller climax there, but we didn't end up uh, r- racing to class. But like <laughs> I mean, and then and then you get Beverly who is a theater kid and she knows it. Um, you know, just she's and you know, she's the one uh I'm going to say this and I don't mean I'm not saying this, but in the movie characters, she's the one girl that sort of matters in the movie. Um, oh, yeah, that's to, 100% true. Like, there are... Uh, na- I was going to say she's the only named one. That's not true. They all, Many of them have names, but they don't matter. Yeah, and, like narratively. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's interesting because, like... She kind of, you know, maybe this is maybe this is a stretch only because she and Finn were my favorite characters. Um, she's Finn at the beginning of college. She knows what she's doing. She's confident. She can kind of get into it a little bit, but she doesn't. She's not. A, she's not. You know, almost done. I guess. I, is Finn is Finn a junior? I guess. Or no, they say like, "Are you still here?" He's like a super senior. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The lunch lady's <laughs> like, "Are you still here?" <laughs> Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. So anyways, it, it's it's there's a lot of um being passionate about what you're passionate about, trusting others to see your passion and not like they never haze someone for the things they like. They haze them you know, for what they are like. They haze them for shortcomings or position on the team or you know, accents in one case, but like, it's never like, they're never like, you like this thing and that makes you dumb or you don't like this, get out of here or whatever. Like they never make fun of Buter for like, you know, going home and seeing about his, about his girlfriend. They make fun of almost everything else about the situation, but they like, they're, supportive in in the sort of 
serious part of the conversation. And that's, that's it. That's the whole thing is that they, it's finding the, you know, you have, you know, it's fake it till you make it, but you don't have to fake it as much as you think you do because everyone else is doing the same thing. And we're all just trying to, you know, perform our way through. But like, it, there's so many wholesome, like, Hey, yeah, we'll, let's go to the, you know, they don't go to the theater party rolling their eyes and hoping to beat up some theater nerds or whatever. No, they don't. I mean, Finn definitely leads the charge and he, (laughs) he puts on the top hat and he is ready to roll with it. But all of them at some point have some kind of funny hat on. And so I, I appreciated that. And, and side note, I love Zoe Deutsch as Beverly and in yes. general, I think she brings a real light to that relatively smaller role and yeah. helps the movie kind of steer towards this two people making a genuine connection. Yeah. Amidst like everyone trying to hook up. Right. And there's there's a whole, you know, baseball as, you know, sexual euphemism thing that they don't talk about, but is culturally there, sort of in the in the in the background, in the subtext. Like that it's, you know, whatever. Um, I found it interesting that when the movie starts, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. These, these silly boys, whatever. There's Beverly. Okay, cool. Yeah. She's going to say the thing he's going to go after. It's gonna be great. And I forget that there's a whole like movie between when he actually like calls her because it's, you know, it's like the next day, but there's, it's right. you know, for us, it's most of the movie. And then when he does, I'm like, Oh, Oh, you're going to go leave these boys. What's going on? These, <laughs> these wonderful guys would like hang out more. And like, I was bowled over when I realized that I had felt that way. Like, but you know, that that change had happened that I was like, I want to stay with these guys. Like, uh, it's so, it's, it's so simple and so, you know, complex too. Yeah. I mean, I think that they're like their baseball team guy shenanigans dynamic Yeah, is compelling. And so I can see wanting more of that. But like I said, I really do like their developing romance. And I think yes. that that they just gave it a solid foundation because you see them connecting on something real, even though she is from the theater performing arts world and he's from the baseball world. They, because Linklater is good at writing and directing this kind of evolving freewheeling dialogue, which you really see in the before trilogy. Uh Uh-huh. That, that, you know, some of their scenes really reminded me of those movies that you you can kind of see how they're seeing how there is common ground because yeah. both of them came from this place where, okay, he was the best baseball player in his school, but now everybody on the team was the best from their school. And right. she was the one who got all the leads and now is just struggling to get cast. And so yeah, that, that, you know, seeing that conversation play out, it's like, I see why they are seeing something in each other besides just like cute teenager. So I, I really, I really dug that. And then going back to what you were saying about the mandatory education 
and <laughs> and you know the high school kids being trapped there and then finally when school's out they're free versus yeah. everybody wants some is like the beginning of the college year and yeah. it's and that's more about how much fun can we have while we're here so right. what i thought was a good point of comparison mm-hmm. is in dazed you see high school rebellion against authority yes and in some cases that authority is diffuse because it's just like all of the adults or all of their coaches right and and since they're just kind of figuring themselves out all they know is that they don't want to do what they're told to do they don't necessarily know who they are but in everybody wants some now as college kids they have greater autonomy yes but what complicates it is since they're a baseball team you have some members of the team like McReynolds in particular acting yeah. as an authority figure to the team right like when they have that kickoff meeting yes. and one of the coaches say says okay hey there's a mandatory practice and there's a volunteer you're and now i'm gonna practice. like tur- turn it over you know to your captain and McReynolds says okay first thing optional means mandatory right <laughs> yeah if you don't if you don't want to go to the to the optional practice then why are you here right. Some, sums up exactly what i was talking about about the the passion like why would you skip that <laughs> yeah I uh yeah I mean they it's so funny because in Daisy Confused the parents and the and and adults are there, but like in they're there and then sort of they find a place where they're not there in at the you know the water water tower. Um, in this they like almost Home Alone style remove the adult like mm-hmm. the coach is like we're not allowed to be there and. That's like the, you know, 15, 20 minutes into the movie. It's like the, there are no adults for most of this movie. Yeah. I thought it was really smart to to do it that way. So yeah. that they set it up that it's an optional players only practice. I think I said that wrong earlier, but it's like optional players only. And then he says, hey, optional means mandatory. Yeah. Uh, but that then that, as you said, creates an environment where there's no adults. And right. then it also allows the teammates to just establish a dynamic yes. amongst themselves before the coaches are there as older adult authorities to and which I imagine is why college teams would do it in the first place right. because you it's, want some people oh, on the team to lead. You th- those coaches know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. You you give them oh, oh we're not going to be there. So I don't know. Because it's like, now we see what, it's sort of like a, kind of the opposite of Panopticon, where it's like, we're not watching, let's see how you do when we're not watching. Right, right. And then the other aspect of being trapped in high school versus the relative freedom of college is in Dazed, a lot of the characters, they have this ennui, like listlessness, dissatisfaction, like Cynthia says, don't you ever feel like everything we do and everything we've been taught is just to service the future? And Don wants to do all of these things while I was stuck in this place. Like right. all of that compared to in Everybody Wants Some, 
Willoughby, who has the best perspective on college since, you know, he's been doing it the longest. (laughs) He says, here for a good time, not for a long time. Exactly. You know, I just realized is Dazed is 76, right? And I think Everybody Wants Some is 1980, right? 80 or 81. I think it was a, I think you're right, 80. So Dazed and Confused is also about the end of a decade and Everybody Wants Some is the beginning of a decade. Oh, yeah. So it's, there's, it's like, you know, exit versus entrance, anticipation versus, you know, we just barely got out of there alive sort of, sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, there's no one in Everybody Wants Some that's like, this Every this sucks. Oh, uh, you know, I wish I wasn't. He-. Like, no one says that. <laughs> yeah. No one says that. They, you know, they might be like, this sucks. I don't want to go to, you know, that party or whatever. But like, even the punks, like even like the nihilist punks that they visit, no one's like, ugh, why, why, why even go to the whatever? Like, no, no, no. We're, no we're, we'll go. We're going to go. Um, you know come along with us you know baseball players let's go to this punk show like Mm -hmm. no one is rolling their eyes or sighing or yeah no there's no ennui here yeah yeah and and as we're drawing these comparisons between dazed and everybody wants some just to button that all up fun fact a draft title of the screenplay for this movie was that's what i'm talking about (laughs) Which is a, I mean, that's a great title. Yeah. Everybody wants them is also a great title, and then you get the the ref the song reference there too. But like, that's what I'm talking about is nice and um, vague, mm-hmm. like what. But everybody wants some can mean lots of different things. Now you know when Van Halen starts singing, you know you know it. You know right. They Once mean, you hear like... those bluesy guitars, <laughs> it's like. But in the in the context of the title, I love a title. That it's like, oh, that means like three different things depending on who who's who the character on the poster is that you're looking at. Like, yeah, I can I read a, a quote? Um, you'll be unsurprised to know from Finn that I thought expressed really exactly what I've been talking about with this whole like hazing college passion thing. Absolutely, he says, "You accept your chumpification, you wear it well, and you pass it on." Yeah, like, that's the movie. Yeah, that's the movie. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, so good. James, thank you so much for agreeing to talk about the this movie. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I had so much fun covering Dazed one track at a time. And once I was done, I just, I felt like there were still some themes kind of broiling around in my head. And so I just thought that these bonus tracks would be kind of a fun way to, to draw some comparisons and get like a little bit more perspective on it. And, and yeah, this was everything that I hoped for about Absolutely. that. Yeah. So, I need to go rewatch Boyhood because I was worried that they were going to have horrible things happen in that, and I need to enjoy that. And then I'm going to the Before series because I've never watched any of those, Jarf, and they feel Ooh, like they'd be nice. right up my alley. <laughs> Yes, I I absolutely think that you will enjoy them. And that, it, I don't know if you knew it, but that teed me up perfectly to plug my next bonus track because next month I'm covering the entire Before Trilogy with Liz Locke from Cinema Sips. So you Perfect. can expect that the first Friday of March. Perfect. In your feed. And James, where can folks find your work? Oh, um, well, uh, I, uh, I'd i say probably what I primarily work on is uh, Timeline Scavengers, which is a Marvel Cinematic Universe 
um, podcast where we uh, have broken the movies, the TV shows, and everything else that we consider canon uh, into sort of when it takes place on a on a single timeline. So if there's like a flashback, not a single timeline, but like if there's a flashback, we watch the flashback and then a bunch of other stuff happens. And then we see the scene that led to the flashback in that context. And it's been really interesting and, and really rewarding to, uh, to do. Um, so that you can follow on Twitter at Timeline Scav. We post uh, three times a week. Um, may be cutting down because I'm about actually funnily enough I'm I'm gonna be starting uh, grad school here in uh, like starting on Monday uh, so I'm, I'm I'm in my sort of everybody wants some grad school edition uh, days right now um, so may cut so down these are your days. final days of just exactly. like partying and going to like various yeah, themed clubs just, and exactly you know. <laughs> um, and yeah so that may cut down to two times a week uh, but hopefully not and uh, the other thing I work on is uh, Frankenstein's Jukebox, which is uh, once a month for the official episode in that we take two songs from a given year working backwards through time. Uh, and uh, we, my, my co-host and I and a guest we have one each bring a song, pick three aspects from it that we like about the song, put all those aspects together and then uh, conceptualize and then make a new song based on those aspects all working together. So it's once a month, the second Wednesday of every month. Uh, and then when we finish a song, we put that out as a bonus, you know, bonus episode uh, when we, when we have them. And uh, we, it now is a good time to get into it because uh, y- we are just, uh, this is coming out first Friday in February. This is coming this episode here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that yeah. people are okay. already listening to. Yes. Yeah. yeah. First. So, First Friday in February. When so the first thing you know next or, you know next Wednesday is going to be the 2022 episode, and then we're going to get into the 90s. We're in the 90s now for 2023, and it's going to be a, a a pretty wild ride. So if you haven't listened, uh, it's you know we have some great back episodes, but we're getting into some classic tracks that uh, you know some of us on the show weren't alive uh, or very uh, big to have experienced personally. So it's going to be very very fun. And uh, yeah, so and that you can find that on Twitter at Frank's Jukebox. Nice. Well, listeners, thanks for sticking with us for a bonus track. And like I said, be here next month for the Before Trilogy. And James, thanks again for talking about this fun movie with me. And Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And and I won't say goodbye, so I'll just say check you later. Check you later. Not to worry, there's a new fiesta in the making. Join us at the Moon Tower, our Facebook listeners group. Until next time, just keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.